This is the Foxhole Podcast. I'm extremely disappointed in myself. Today I interviewed a outstanding human being. And in my haste to get the interview started, I failed to select a one button on my recording device that would have captured both my video and the video of my guest. So I only ended up catching mine, but I did get the audio of my guest. And so without further ado, let me introduce you to none other than Lauren Lovin. Now, many of you may not know her, but when this podcast is done, you will have an appreciation for who she is as a person and athlete. She hails from Scottsdale, Arizona, my home state, and attended the University of Denver as a D1 basketball prospect. She transitioned from high school into college from point guard into shooting guard. And at that, she excelled. While at Denver, she broke many school records and still holds them, I believe, to this day. One of which is the most outstanding three-point record I think I've seen. 111 three-pointers in one season. She was ranked in the top 10 three-point shooters all four years she attended the University of Denver. After that, she went on to play professional basketball where she continues to play uh, with two different teams, one in Ireland and the other in Spain. She's currently rehabbing an injury and we expect to see her back on the court again soon. Now, I'm going to throw up some video here as our interview starts and photos. And I want you to watch as she's talking just what a sniper she is. And as she's talking and as you're watching, I want you to hear what she relays about how she got to be where she was. You're going to hear things like execution, effort, desire, practice, practice, practice. And unlike today's world's a little bit different, someone who has trainers and trainers and trainers, you're going to hear Lauren say what she did was get outside, get to the gym every day by herself. And she spent hours. I mean, she had people helping her rebound and family members. But it was her dedication and her desire to be the best that she could be. And I'm going to tell you, when you watch her shoot, there's no mistaking that she spent hundreds and hundreds of hours and shot thousands upon thousands of shots. And what you're going to hear her say is, she just didn't go outside and shoot. She went outside and shot game-like shots. Put herself in game-like situations. Put herself under duress while she was shooting. It's impossible to show up to a game and want to be a good shooter. Being a good shooter happens in the minutes and seconds and hours before games. It happens in the falling sunlight. 
It happens in the darkest corners of parks and outdoor courts. It happens in the cold. It happens when you're hungry. It happens when you haven't had any water. It happens when you're thirsty and your body aches and your legs are sore and your arms are tired from shooting and shooting and shooting. Success happens long before the game ever begins. Without further ado, please welcome Lauren Lovin. Lauren, thanks for coming on uh, the Foxhole Podcast. It, I, as I was telling you sort of offline, it's a tremendous pleasure for me to have you here for a number of reasons. One, the first being you're an Arizona kid. Um, and I'm going to do a little bit of a, a background introduction um, to the to the audience, but I want you to go into some detail in a second about what you're doing now and how you got there. Just, but just for, for backgrounders, well, let me, let me pause there. How did you get the name Lauren Lovin? I mean, there's <laughs> nothing that just sounds, <laughs> that sounds like a movie star. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that, that's my name. My parents, luckily they gave me the great name of Lauren Lovin. My dad's last name obviously is Lovin. Um, I get the, I get the joke a lot from the movie, you know, Mick Lovin. So Mick I hear Lovin. that hear that one a lot but yeah I thank my parents for giving me this name honestly <laughs> so you went to what school did you go to in Arizona a high school I went to Notre Dame prep in Scottsdale Arizona is it was that as actually a prep school for Notre Dame um no it's not, it's not it's just a private it's a private Catholic school okay um here in Scottsdale yeah and you played there uh what position I was there point guard shooting guard kind of did both um probably more heavily point guard um, for my first couple years and then shooting guard more as I discovered that's kind of where I really, really excelled was at the shooting guard position. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, I played all four years there, varsity all four years um, and I loved it. It was a great, great experience there. I want to talk in a little bit, a little more detail about those differences between those two point guard and shooting guard because I think at least in youth sports, sometimes that gets uh, youth basketball that gets those two things get intermixed um, and there are two different distinct things. Um, so after, while you were going to school, were you looking at colleges? What were you thinking about doing? Yeah. Um, so my freshman year, I was, I didn't know if I was good enough even to make varsity. So I tried out, luckily proved myself that I was capable of playing at that level. So made varsity and it was, it was around my end of my sophomore beginning of junior year where I really was like, okay, I think I have a chance here to take it to the next level. And I was playing, I joined the AAU team here, Arizona elite, great, great, great um, club team here, traveled and was lucky enough to get some offers from, got, I mean, got received tons of recruiting calls and letters, things like that, which comes during that high school stage and was lucky enough to get four division one offers. And that was just when I realized my dreams coming true. The goal was, to get that scholarship and just play at that D1 level. I didn't care where, I just wanted that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's an amazing opportunity. And that that speaks to, I think, the level of play you were at at that time. I'm going to come back to high school here in a second, but tell everyone where you played uh, Division One basketball at. Yeah, I played Division One basketball at the University of Denver in, uh, obviously, Denver, Colorado. And... You didn't just play basketball there. I mean, you held a lot of records. They set records there. One of which I remember reading was like the most threes in a season at a, like 111. 
That's yeah, that is, that is correct. Yeah, my junior, well, for my freshman year, actually, I broke the Denver League record for my Denver school um, with 83 made threes that year, my freshman year. And then my junior year was the year I really exploded too. I broke the, the league record, some league record and the Denver League again with 111 threes made that, that year. How many twos did you shoot that year? <laughs> not, not that many, honestly. <laughs> they're all coming at they're all coming from behind the line yeah <laughs> and then you were also ranked in the top four three point for three-point shooters for uh or the, it was the top four the top 10 for four years in a row of three-point correct shooters. yeah so each year actually i was able to hit that number one spot they fluctuate about every week with you know different girls making different threes but yeah i was able to hit that number one spot all four years at some point and, and stayed in that top 10 ranking all, all four years basically of college. Yeah. That is impressive. That is really, really impressive. I don't, I don't even know if you know how impressive that is. <laughs> I just <laughs> love shooting the threes. That was, I was always like, I just want to keep making them. Yeah. <laughs> you can't make them if you don't shoot them. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, so you graduated from, uh, um, is it uh, Denver university? Yes. Yes. Denver university. Denver university. What did you major in? I double majored there in finance and international business. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Double major. That seems like a lot. While it was, it was tough. It was for sure tough, but well worth it. (laughs) Sounds like it is. Um, And then what did you do post graduation? Uh, Yeah. So I graduated 2020. um, And right when I graduated, coming up to graduation, I knew that my ultimate dream was to play overseas, take it to the next level one more time. And um, when I graduated, I was reached out or a lot of uh, agents reached out to me and I ended up picking one that was the best fit for me. And unfortunately, because of 2020 was the year COVID kind of hit hard. I went to I was lucky enough to go to Ireland. That was my first overseas experience. So I went to Ireland right after graduation and was there for about four months. And then just to be clear, we're talking when you you just didn't go to Ireland to hang out. You went there to play professional basketball. Correct. Yeah. So I was there playing the Super League in Waterford, Ireland, which was on the southeast coast of Ireland on a beautiful, beautiful town, beautiful city. And but I was only there for four months because the season unfortunately got canceled right when you're like about to begin, like the actual season. Uh Um, So that was kind of tough for me. You know, it was my first experience, um, but I didn't let that stop me. I decided I think I can do this again. I want to try again. And I resigned to a more competitive league in Spain, which was the Liga Femenina Dos, which is the league two there in Spain, um, which was an absolute amazing experience. And I was just there for four months and um, took a took an injury there, unfortunately, that required me to uh, come home now, which is why I'm back in. ACL injury? Correct. Yeah, so I tore my ACL. I thought I saw that. Um, right leg, left leg? Right leg. And where are you at right now in this in, in rehab? I am currently two weeks out of surgery right now. Oh, wow. So, That's brand new. Yeah. So what I it said is, it is. Okay. I had yeah. ACL surgery about a year and a half ago. So, uh, oh, wow. Okay. My patella ACL surgery. I know, uh, I know that the, the, um, the struggle. Yeah. It, I mean, luckily this is my, this is my second day off crutches. So I'm already feeling a lot better. But it's been a process for sure. Trying to get that knee bending. That's that's where I'm struggling right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Can I 
take you back to to high school actually maybe just before high school middle school put yourself in the you know that middle school time period were you playing uh basketball through middle school too yeah so i was playing um just for the school though my middle school i was not playing club at the time um but yeah so just playing middle school basketball and then at the time you started playing club basketball at high school aau time period um what were you, were you just going to regular practices or were you, were you, were you seeking out trainers? Were you, were you, were, what, what kind of basketball were you doing sort of on the court organized? And then what were you doing on your own? I'm really curious to know about what you did as a team and then what you, you know, what initiative you took on your own to start improving. Yeah. So once I started club, I, it hit me where I needed to be in order to make it to the next level. I was like, okay, all these girls, they can really play. So I'm going to have to get good at something here. So, so it's interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't, I'm going to cut you off, but you're, that is such an important point. Cause I think it happens to a lot of kids, young athletes, they'll show up and play at a club they've played in their rec leagues or somewhere else, you know, and then all of a sudden there it's this eye opening experience. Like, Oh, this is what it's like. Right. And so how did you perceive that? And what did you uh, take me through your, the thought process when that happened? Yeah. So actually I, rem I remember it um, going to the very first tryout for club basketball and there was about 70 girls there. And I just remember thinking, wow, did not expect to see 70 girls here right now. And it was just scrimmaging after scrimmaging. I'm trying to prove yourself to make the top team for the club. And I just remember, okay, I have, I need to play my, my heart out right now, show what I can do. And luckily was able to make that top, the top team for Arizona elite started traveling. And I remember these words that my club coach told me that I will never forget. And I believe that is what really inspired me to take it to that next level was he said, if you are a girl shooter, you can't just be a good shooter. You need to be a great shooter. If you want to show that these, these college coaches watching you, what you're capable of, you need to stand out and make yourself different than the rest. And so that hit me hard. And I said, because coming from me, I am a shooter. That was my role in the team. How am I going to show that I'm better than the rest? And that's when I just practice, 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 taking hard threes, contested threes, threes off the dribble, switching my game up to not just do a catch and shoot threes, but being able to hit shots from all over the court. And what were you doing to practice that? Were you on your, like, just, would you grab a ball and go outside and just think, Hey, this is like game like situation. Yeah, I was definitely a mix of that. It was a lot of me just on my own doing it backyard in the gym. Um, I didn't really have any personal trainers until college, until I, uh, on the summers when I'd go home from college, I'd get personal trainers to keep me in shape for college. Mm -hmm. But it was in high school, it was a lot of just me. It was me, 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 my dad, my mom, my brother rebounding for me. Just every day, I spend hours in that gym, just shooting and shooting until it became just effortless, and I didn't even have to think about it anymore. So, walk me through maybe a, a routine that you had when you were doing that. Like, hey, I'm gonna go shoot. I've got an hour. I'm gonna go, man. I'm gonna put up some some buckets. What, what would you? Did you have like a set? I'm gonna do. I start in close and work my way out. I'm gonna do, you know, thirty of these, forty of those. I'm not gonna move until I make ten in a row. I mean. I'm just talking about things that I've done, right? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And I, I definitely do that too. I think every time I stepped on the court, I was in the zone. I was always, you know, 
taking game shots, making sure that I'm not just here messing around. I'm here getting work done. And so I would for sure starting close, just get warmed up. And I'd set goals for myself. Okay. 10 catch and shoot threes, 10 dribble off the dribble threes, um, 10 pump fake sidestep threes, you know, and then from the corner and take it to the wing, do the same series there all the way five sets around and then back. So I for sure set up, uh, or I would do things like, all right, have to hit two in a row, then go to the next spot. Mm-hmm. If I don't, if I don't make two in a row, got to go back to the beginning, you know, just keeping it making com- competing with myself. Basically, if I was alone, like doing things that would challenge me, um, to just reach that next step. That's awesome. One of the things that we, that we've, that we're learning now with my team is the catch and shoot. And one, let me just take, pause, hold that thought for a second. When I go to high school games here and other, and, and other more advanced, even advanced uh, AAU teams, or like high school kids playing AAU, I notice a, there's a there's a lot of challenges with the catch and shoot. And what I mean with that, that there's no fundamental there, right? So mm-hmm. when you start moving up into that mid, later middle school, high school time frame, the athleticism, the kids that are showing up there, they just have tremendous speed. And if you don't have footwork your footwork set you're not going to get that shot off on a catch and shoot you can't shuffle your feet can't be messing around with your feet you have to have those ready to shoot right away and so i start coaching kids with the one two step right inside foot outside foot as the ball's coming you're stepping toward the basket so when it hits your hands your hands are already placed behind the ball ready to shoot and you can fire it and then when they master that we go to the hop sort of this catch and hop and i i don't know who put together the highlight video of you uh-huh. from your senior year that is amazing <laughs> Thank uh, you. i'm gonna take that and use it there's a lot of uh just tremendous footwork in in that video and i'm curious how you how you go about that catch and that especially that catch and shoot like if a ball's coming from from the point uh onto a wing or even down you know down along the baseline you're you're ready to shoot it when it hits your hands right there's no right. no delay you don't have to watch the rim you don't have to set anything up it's just got to hit your hands and go right exactly it's almost like you're already in a motion when it hits your hands i mean if you talk a little bit about that yeah so like you said the footwork is huge when it comes to catching and shooting and for me um, in college, especially I had to really work on that more because I had to get a quicker release. Those girls are long athletic. Like you said, it gets harder and harder, the more the higher up you go. And so for me, yeah, it was making sure that I'm turning into the ball before it gets to me. So I'm set and ready to go. My knees are already bent. My shoulders are already facing the basket. I already have everything in balance. I'm balanced. And then all I have to do is just that last shooting motion and quickly, obviously, but yeah, it's, it's really all about the shoulders and those, and those feet. When you say shoulders that you're talking about getting your shoulders pointed oriented right. at the basket. oriented oriented at the basket because i mean the, the greater you get you come at shooting there's times where you could be off balance and your shoulders could be the other way it could be like stuff curry and just make it from anywhere right. but it doesn't yeah. start there <laughs> it doesn't start <laughs> there right yes right uh, exactly what would you work on drills um, or what drills would you suggest to, to young players to work on to, to kind of square that away um, I'd say definitely um, working on shots on the move. I mean, I've learned just through all my playing that it's very, very rare the higher you go up to get wide open catch and shoots. It's more I'm going to run from the wing to the corner, up and down, maybe do a flare, step inside, step back out. 
have your feet constantly moving. It's very, very rare that you're going to get wide open, just standstill shots. It's mm-hmm. always either, oh, I'm coming off a screen or mm-hmm. uh, curling. It, it, that's where I really improved on my abilities is being able to shoot off the move because that's where I think a lot of players their skill kind of lacks is that they can catch and shoot when they're wide open and they're standing still. Anyone can knock that down, but it's taking that next step to really working on, okay, let me work on, let me do 10 curl shots. Let me do 10 flare shots. Let me mix in, you know, or even getting shots that are off the move where they're bad passes too. I mean, it's very rare to get passes that are perfect. (laughs) So I work on getting passes that I have to catch with one hand out to the side or rolling it or, you know, Mm -hmm. working on things that are game like. Mm-hmm. Right. Game like shots. You said that earlier. You didn't just go to to shoot on your own and just kind of mess around like you had. There was a game plan when you went there. And I, I find the more athletes I talk to that it's almost like a game when they're there. Right. They're constantly challenging themselves. Right. I'm down two. I'm uh, we're up by three and I've got to come off a screen and dad's going to pass me the ball as I come whatever, you know, off off a low screen to the to the three point and I'm catching it in a hop already. And I've got exactly. my sister catching the high rebounds and firing it back to my dad so I can get more shots off, right? The more people you have rebounding to, for you, the more shots you get off. The more, if you don't have the doctor dish, you know, you get, right. you, get you have the, you have the doctor, the doctor dish parent aversion uh, where you have your family out there helping you or in some cases siblings, right? They can, they can help you. But I, I really like what you said there that, that it's, I think even in middle school, I find you don't get, you don't get to camp out and just wait for someone to make a good pass to you, right? Rarely does exactly. that happen. Because even when you do that, if you're playing man, the you know you're, the defense hasn't had to work, and they're just going to wait on you to catch the pass and then close out, right? If you're not moving, if you're not in motion, you're not going to get a good a spot. And and you know when you're in motion, you can find the best spot to shoot for you, right? Here's the open, right. here's the the widest space to get to and and make that make that shot. So you said something earlier about transitioning between shooting guard and and point guard. Um, in in your words, maybe explain what what the differences there are, and and then why you transitioned from from one to the other. Yeah. So in high school, I was more of a point guard, like I mentioned, and I think that was just because the level of the team, I it was required upon me just from having just some natural innate skills to be able to handle the ball. That's where I was started to play at, but I, I did always feel very comfortable if that makes sense. Like I, I liked more, you know, receiving the ball already in the half court, you know, handling that ball pressure for me was difficult for sure at the high school level. Um, so, and a part of me always thought that as a point guard, I had to be the one who brings up the ball. I needed to be the one that created the open shots. I had to do it all. And that's just not the case really as I, began to grow in the game is that the point guard is just someone who has a great vision, brings that kind of power and just calmness to a team. That's how I've, I've noticed is that you look at Chris Paul. I mean, that man is just a magician out there. He is calm, collected, doesn't need to, doesn't need to have the ball in his hands all the time to, to make the team work. And I think that's where I realized that my role I could switch over to the shooting guard more because that's where I was more effective. And I think, like you said, like players get stuck in their minds that, oh, this is this is what a point guard has to do. This is what I am. And they can't really go back and forth or shift. I mean, if I needed to be a point guard in college more, I could do it too. You know, it, I think players get stuck in this idea of I'm only a point guard, I'm only a shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Um, but really there's, there's ways that you can be effective in both roles. And um, that's why in college too, I, I'd say 
90, 95% of the time I was at the shooting guard position. Yeah. I think, I think most shooting guards can handle the ball, right? That's, but it's, yeah. it's different. It's maybe their secondary role, not their primary role. And most, and, and same be said for most point guards got a pretty good jump shot, right? I think they can right. yeah. play that. But the, the hang up I think for a lot of younger athletes is trying to do both, right? Wanting, mm-hmm. wanting to be both. And I think kind of what you, your experience in, in when, it, when you transition from one is an important thing to highlight because I think athletes, young athletes are trying to sort that out for themselves. Like, what am I, am I, mm-hmm. and you said it's where you felt comfortable. Right. And I was like, I mean, I think that's an important thing for a young athlete to do is just to kind of ask themselves where, which one of these is more natural for me? Do right. I like this more than that? You know, is it more, am I more comfortable, you know, coming off a screen and, and getting up with the ball or am I more comfortable in, you know, oh, you're going to pressure me? Good. Right. Pressure. Right. And (laughs) it's it's like you said, where you're more effective on the court as well. Like for me, I like the pressure once I had the ball, you know, on the three point line and I can shoot with the hand in my face. Didn't enjoy much getting the ball and getting full court pressure as I'm dribbling up. That wasn't what I liked. (laughs) I like the pressure when I'm ready to shoot. But so I think it's, it's all those little things that as you grow into the game more, you realize, okay, this is what I like. This is where I'm going to be more effective. This is where my role on the team really lies. For me, it was my shooting ability. So I know that I'd get more shots off coming off screens and, you know, like a Clay Thompson type of player. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think it's hard for younger, a young point guard who's who wants to be a shooter at the same time will find themselves forcing shots because they, they've brought the ball up and they feel like I, if I, if I pass it, I'm not going to get a shot. Get back, yeah. yeah. And so it's this, it's this idea of finding who you are. Who are you? Are you the point guard? Are you the, are you the, and the same could be said for bigs, right? Like it's, are you, are you the, this, you know, are you, are you a, a low post guy or a high post guy or gal mm-hmm. and finding your, your rhythm there, what that is. And, and, you know, for anyone listening, that's maybe not an athlete or not in sports, this, this is like a standard operating procedure for any human, right? You just got to find who you are. Like, who are you? And what's the, what's the meaning of your life in this particular environment? And we just had to be talking about basketball here. Um, but I think that, you know, your experience and, and how you relayed that is important to, to not just young athletes, but it's important to, to everyone. Um, because I think in, certainly in today's world, we can, we can try to do more things than we need to do. Right. We just focus on what's in, what's important. I was sharing with you before the podcast. I, I, uh, before we started, I, I, I missed out on some opportunities as a parent because I was doing stuff for work and, uh, I, I was a massive failure at that. Right. And I was, tr- I was trying to do both and I couldn't do both. Good. I had to really just say, you know what, the most important job I have is being a parent and, uh, and refocus there. So young athletes can do the same thing. What's the most important job I have? What's important to me? Mm-hmm. How, how do I do this, uh, in, in a good way? Um, let me ask you some trick questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> trick questions. Um, what what does it take to be a successful basketball player? And if we put them, I'm going to ask you to think about them in categories: mental skills versus physical skills. We'll have two di- like a column, right? We'll have two different columns. Okay. And uh, so I'm going to ask you what what are the things it takes to be a successful athlete? And you could say I'll give you an example to kind of help you out. You could say, "Oh, it's helpful to be tall." Right. Well, that'd be a physical skill. We put that and one that you can't control. All right. So now I gave you a freebie. What does it take to be a successful basketball player? Um, for me, 
going off physical and mental, like you mentioned, being successful is all mental. It is not physical in my opinion at all. Yes, you have to be in shape. Yes, you have to, you know, be able to run, jump, all those things, pass, dribble to be a basketball player. But for me, the mental part of the game is the biggest. And that's what made me so successful as a player. I mean, I'm I'm five seven was always told that I couldn't play D1 as a shooter. I wasn't going to be able to shoot over a 6'5 length. Um, but I didn't let that stop me. And I think that's why I, I was able to be so successful is that no matter what, I'm not fast. I'm never the strongest. I am just all those areas. I would say I'm probably not the best on the team at. But when I stepped on that court, my mentality was that I am the best shooter on this court. And I'm not going to let anyone or anyone tell me otherwise. And I think that's what I was telling you earlier about before the podcast as well, is that confidence is huge in the game of basketball. Coaches, parents, no one can instill that confidence in yourself. It has to come from you in your work ethic, in your mentality. And that's what has made me so successful is that I've always believed that no matter what, the shot's going in. Every time I shoot, that shot's going in. If I miss... I don't care. I'm going to make the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that mentality is huge in the game of basketball, because if you miss a few and you put your head down, you're that that's it for the game. Your performance is just going to sink, whether it's not just shooting, but your defense, everything else that can add to the game will deflate because of your mentality and that confidence level. Man. Uh, so I had this whole thing planned out about putting things into categories and you just went like, you just went right to the <laughs> and answered them all. <laughs> you just got them all. But you said something I think is super, super important there. And it's like, when you fail, uh, we'll call it failure for lack of a better term right now. But you know, when, when you throw up a shot and it's, uh, say you shoot a three pointer and it's an air ball, right? Okay. The ability to put that in your rear view mirror is so important. Right. And so I, important. I think what happens when you're younger and you throw up that air ball and you hear people in the crowd, maybe you don't even hear them. You hear it. You hear the people in your head saying air ball. And I've seen it happen. I've I actually had a podcast where I talked about this where, you know, I'd see kids throw up a three pointer and then they air ball it. And it's just the life went out of them. Right. And what we try to do, at least on my team is redirect that like, good. Hey, you shot an air ball. Good. You know, now, you know, your range and distance, right? right? You can dial it in a little better. Exactly. And I never, I tell kids, I never, I never get to shoot a shot. You're never going to hear from me about it unless it's like, if you're open, shoot it. Right. Right. And it's a high percentage shot, put it up. If it's within the scope of our offense, do it mm-hmm. every time, you know, I, I'm, I, and I say, even if you don't, if you're outside of those environments and you just dribble down and shoot a three pointer, and we haven't even looked at our offense and you make it, I ain't saying anything to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cheer you on. But if you miss it, I might say something. Um, but it's this idea of putting those kind of setbacks and failure wasn't a good word. So setback is where I was thinking. That, that setback in the rear view mirror and then re-engaging right away. It, that that idea of fake it till you make it. Because if you, if you don't do that, if you slump your shoulders and drop your head, it's over. Right. Exactly. So maybe if you can think about times when you've done that, when you've done something and it's kind of been like this, you know, an air ball or something. And, and how did you, in your mind, how did you just like, okay, I, I got to get back in a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In high school, I was 
putting my head down every time I missed, every time I airball, I'd stand at the corner. I wouldn't want to touch the ball anymore. And so, yeah, yeah. that was, yeah, in high school, I, I, I struggled, you know, at the varsity level as a freshman and sophomore, if I missed a couple of shots, I was done. I didn't want to shoot anymore. That was my mentality was no more. It was interesting. You said, I didn't even want to touch the ball. Because yeah. I see that with young people, right? They'll throw, they'll turn the ball over. And then let's say we're getting pressure and they get the ball. And as soon as they touch it, they throw it. Right. No lot looking. I just, I don't want to have this ball because there's pressure coming. So I'm getting rid of it. So they turn it over and then guess what? And they score and we're going to get, he's going to get the ball back again in two seconds because we're trying to run a press break. And so here it comes again and they don't want to touch it. So what were you doing in your, what you said is just spot on. Like I didn't even want to touch the ball. Yeah. How did you overcome that? Just with honestly off the court practicing and in my own, my own way is like, okay, if I'm going to, I can't have this mentality playing. I'm not helping the team at all. If I can't touch the ball, why am I even on the court at that point? So it was rerouting my mindset to think you are good enough. Mistakes are going to happen. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to make every single shot. So whether, whether let's say I go 0 for 10. Okay. That's fine. Where else am I going to help the team with my passing, with my rebounding, with my defense? I need to add value some other way. If I'm not putting in points in, I need to cut, fix it up in some other way. Mm -hmm. And I think in high school, that's where it really hit me that it's okay to miss shots, obviously. Um, And I always had that mentality after I'd say my junior year going all through college, it was like, I don't care anymore. If I miss, I'm going to make the next one. You have to have that mentality. The next one's going in, the next one's going in because otherwise, yeah, there's just, what am I on the court for then if I'm not trying to at least produce? I think you said something too that's important that I, that I would like you to maybe uh, uh, um, illuminate on a little bit more. And that was like, well, I practiced a lot, you know, like yeah. the, I think it happens. Your con, your confidence is confidence is so important. And if you're, if you're not shooting game like shots on your own and then you miss a shot, you shoot a, you, you, you airball a three pointer or something like that. And, and then, and if you're, you're done, if, unless you have in your mind, that's an anomaly because mm-hmm. I shoot enough of these things. I've shot hundreds and hundreds of these and I make 90% of them. I make 80%, exactly. right? If you're not doing that, then the miss is like, it becomes the grand Canyon of misses, right? But exactly. if, you're, if you're shooting a ton on your own and you know that that miss was an anomaly, then you're like, yeah, that's just a, you know, that's a little crack. I'm stepping over that. And the next time I get it, it's going in that, mm-hmm. that meant mentality. We also, one of the things I've been preaching a lot, I'm curious to hear you, hear you comment on this is like, Hey, if you make a mistake, that's, it's all good. Right. Just fix it. Try to write, write the wrong. If I turn the ball over, it would like make me physically angry. I mean, I would just get angry and then go try and get it back immediately. Right. Sometimes to, you know, to the extent that I'm fouling someone and I, you know, then okay, now I've got two, I got to, all right, I've settle myself down a little bit, but just getting in the fight instead of like staying out of the fight, because ultimately in a team sport, you, whatever errors made, there's still a battle happening. Exactly. You got to get back in a fight, right? The, the fight is still continuing, whether you are hanging your head or, or you're in the, <laughs> So people need you. People are depending on you. So I'm curious if you'd comment a little about that. I made a mistake. I got to get back in it and, and keep, you know, keep grinding. Yeah. And I think, like you said, it's huge. It's, it's not a one person team. It's, it's five. And so let's say I go up for a shot. I miss it or I get the, I get a ball turned over from me and I just put my head down. I pout, start complaining. 
they go down, they score, they score again. You know, that's, that's hurting. Not, not just me just my shot. It's me not giving the effort and getting back. That's what's hurting the team. And so anytime you make a mistake or you miss a shot and you pout and you don't get back, that's where, that's where the team is going to like really struggle. Um, because like I said before, it, it's all about the effort and that hustle and showing that by getting back every single time or helping in other ways. That's what makes you a successful around player. And that gets to this idea of like just effort, right? Constant, mm-hmm. constant effort. And um, one of the things that I, I routinely talk to our athletes about is that you're basically trying out for your team every day, every day that every practice, every day, because the pouting doesn't just happen in the games. It happens at practice. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, I, why, why is he telling me this? Oh, body, I body language is huge <laughs> in the basketball <laughs> body language. I love it. Uh, I just did some video analysis of our last game and I had this whole segment of body language, just different body languages. And, uh, and I tied it with something coach Mosier said, who coached at Loyola. He's now at, uh, at, uh, at Oklahoma. He had sent a, he sent a video, uh, to the team. Um, recently, I haven't shared that with the video with, they've seen clips of it, but they don't know the videos for them yet. So by the time they see this, they'll probably have seen the video, but he talks about in that video, um, how, how he recruits and he, you know, when, when people are there trying out, he, one of the big things he looks at is who's hustling on and off the floor when I sub people in and out. The little things, the little, things. it's, it's the little things you'd be surprised. Yeah. College coaches, if you're at a AU game, I mean, they're looking at, is your head up? Are you running? Are you playing hard? Did you give that high five? Are you talking with respectfully to your teammates? It's those little things that college coaches are dreaming for in a player. They want the one that those are little things that shows that, you know, talking to my teammate, helping them off the floor, those things matter to a team to be successful. Yeah. Those little details. You can't even at a timeout, like, you know, whatever, turn the ball over three times in a row, coach calls a timeout and everyone's walking back or two people running back to the timeout and th- you know, t- two or three people are just head, tongue, shoulders slumped. Um, but that gets back to this idea of just maintaining this mindset of can do, constantly can do. And I, I, I'm curious if you have any pointers for these young young folks on on how they can just keep doing that. And that, and that when they hear from me, it's like, well, it's real easy. You just do it. <laughs> yeah. You fake it till you make it, right? There's no magic formula. Right. Me, but do you, maybe you have some other pointers other than my, like, you know, very sterile, just do it. <laughs> I think what I would say is that you have to take a deep look at yourself and think to yourself, what do I want out of this sport? What do I want to accomplish? What are my lifelong dreams to come with the game of basketball? Whatever it is in your life that you're passionate about. And then, and then work for that. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't come easy as I would like to say, like the high school to college and college to professional, it's not easy, but I knew that's what I wanted. So it was every day going in and just shooting, shooting, practicing, watching the game, um, studying the game, whatever it is, just always being involved in the game, no matter what it was I could do to help, um, help improve myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And the mentality, I say your mentality really, really is important. Um, there's going to be bad times. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be times where you think, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I can make it to the next level, but it's overcoming that, um, that 
those negative thoughts and just putting the work in to be like, okay, yes, I can. Um, I've practiced these shots over and over again. I know how good I am. I know where I, I compare to the rest of competition. And um, yeah, so I think just stay true to yourself and never take a no, never let someone tell you no, because you always can, you always can overcome. You can always get better and improve in any way. And I think that's so important to know. One of the things that we, that I'm sure they, the kids are tired of hearing me say is the last of human freedoms is choice. Like you have a choice on how you respond to these things, right? Ultimately right. you decide and you can, you can choose to lower your shoulders and walk off that way, but everyone sees it. And if you're in a, if you have this mentality, you're always trying out at least fake it, fake it until you overcome it. Because ultimately we know however you're holding yourself and carrying yourself, the rest of your system will, will catch up to that, right? Your mm -hmm. emotions will catch up to that. But if you carry yourself in this, I've been defeated sort of mindset, your system's going to catch up and then that's it. You're done for the rest of the, the game. So you just have to stay in the fight. Right. And I, I think the pointers you gave there are, are just out, outstanding. Uh, in this trick question schema, I was going to talk to you about, I had this, you know, this is what I used to do with the triathlon team at, at the university of Arizona. I would, I would ask them, what does it take to be a successful triathlete? And they would always tell me like, you gotta be a good swimmer. You gotta be a good runner. You gotta be all these physical skills. And we'd add up all these physical skills in one category. And then, Someone would say, you're so much smarter than everybody else. So you already, you already got there. Someone would say, well, you have to have good mental toughness. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, well, you gotta be, you gotta set goals. You gotta have a plan. You gotta get up early. I'm like, okay, well, let's go back to the physical skills. What does it take to be, you're saying to be a successful swimmer. What does it, what does that mean? Well, you gotta practice your swim technique. Like you gotta go shoot baskets. You gotta, you gotta go through all these. Well, what does it take to go shoot baskets? Well, you gotta have be motivated. Oh, well. Now we're getting somewhere. Is that a physical skill or a mental skill? So we start to find over time as all these physical skills really begin with the foundation of like discipline and, and, and toughness. You gotta, you gotta organize yourself and get outside. And now there's so many, I think for our young, younger folks, there's so many distractions. Like it's so easy to be comfortable. Uh, and I'm playing my video games, right? Mm -hmm. I'm after school. I, I, I know I probably should be shooting, but yeah. those video games, right? And so I'll, I'll shoot after I play a couple of video games. And then after it's dark, after it's raining, after it's whatever, right? And you never get there. So it's like prioritizing what you said was, what do you want from the sport? And if you, what you want is to be good and to be great and to advance, that's the price that, that you pay. Exactly. That's and like you said, it comes down to you as an individual. No one can instill that in you. Um, it's, it comes from the heart. It comes from the love of the game. <laughs> yeah. People can show you like you can demonstrate the proper footwork and give drills. And, but ultimately the individual has to walk through the door. They have to decide to do it. Right. Exactly. Um, really, really important, important pieces of information there for, for kids. Because I, I learned this lesson the hard way with my oldest son. I was take, I was kind of pushing him. Hey, if you want to be great, you got to do this. You got to do this. And, and he wasn't having any fun like zero, <laughs> zero fun. Right. And when I finally asked him like, what, what is important to you? He, I heard something that was different than what I thought he was, he was wanting. Right. And so, um, even as a parent, I was probably not doing the right thing with him. And I think I tell all my parents that, that show up at, at our basketball practice, I'm like, and our games, I'm like, Hey, don't be critical. Just, they need a cheerleader, just cheer for them. Cause they're getting all the criticism from me. I I'm, I'm, <laughs> Like as the coach, I'm issuing enough criticism for the entire world. Believe me. 
Um, and it's mostly like constructive, right. And in, in ways, uh, but as parents, the, the thing you can do is just listen to your athlete. Like, what do you want from the sport? And sometimes I've definitely had athletes that have come, come to our, our team who were there because their parents put them there. Right. And then that's, that's a hard thing. And I think the kids aren't really sure either, but if they can start, at least the kids can start asking themselves and the parents start asking themselves, what, and what is my kid telling me that he, he or she wants? Uh, I think you avoid a lot of pain and heartache there, but for the, those that want it, that want to be that person, you have to do it and you have to, you have to pay the price. The, the a side note is we talked about this paying the price a couple of weeks ago. Like there's, you're going to pay a price no matter what, right? You either pay the price of going outside today, foregoing whatever Minecraft or whatever you have to be playing, getting outside in the light rain or outdoors and working on your shot, working on your footwork, or you're going to pay the price of regret at the end of the game. You're like, man, I just didn't hit any shots. And, uh, I, I wasn't, I didn't play like I wanted to. So there's a price. You just decide you want to pay it. One of them is a better price. The one is, you know, the sacrifice of getting outside and doing it versus the, uh, regret that price of regret that comes. Um, going to read you a couple of words and you, you just hit, hit me up with what, what flows off your, uh, your frontal lobe. Okay. Uh, execute. What does that mean to you? Execute. That means to me, just being able to, being able to just play at an effective level. So execute, whether it's executing a play that takes focus. Um, that's what it comes down to. You can be not a very skilled player, but execute everything perfectly. And that's, what's going to help the team run. I think of players, um, I think of hustle and execute together too, because, um, those two things go hand in hand. I think very well is that, um, when you're executing a play, those players that go the extra mile that are, you know, focused, they're hustling for each play. That's going to help the team run. So I think execution is critical, critical to the team's (laughs) overall success. That's no surprise that it's one of our mottos, right? Execute. And the next motto is effort. Effort. <laughs> so what's that? What, you, what say you about effort? Efforts um, can't play without effort. <laughs> That's what I would say is that if you're not giving effort 100% of the time, it, it shows for one. It shows when um, someone is not giving effort and it matters. You know, it matters to the team, um, the team can see, like, like you said, effort and body language go hand in hand too, because the whole team can see when someone's um, body language is down or their effort is down. And that matters because then, then other players are like, Oh, well, if she's down, maybe, uh, maybe we're not doing well. And so, um, I think without effort, you can't play. There's just no way to play it, play at your best level. If you're not putting in the effort. What would you say about this in terms of effort? Um, you're it's like beginning of the second half and your team has scored like five points and the other the other opposing team has like 50. what do you say about effort and that you're saying if the other team has 50 we uh, we have five Mm -hmm. i i'd say that no matter what you got it you got to keep playing um i i say the game's not over until that last whistle's blown so it's um you just can't ever give up the second you give up i mean what, what's the point of playing at that point? So I'm always, every time I'm on the court, I treat it like, you know, it's the last game ever. Um, always giving that effort hundred percent of the time because I mean, I'm injured now. And I, like, I could say that now is that you never know when that last game is, you never know when something's going to go wrong. And so I think to don't take the game for granted because 
you love it that much. It's hard when it, when it's taken from you like that. So always give effort no matter what. Yeah. It, I, I like to think that it's how you play when you're down like that is, is more important than how you play when you're up, when you're winning. Right. And you almost sometimes see the opposite in youth sports where when you're up and you know, everyone's excited and people are shooting threes and people run around and even the, the guy who maybe doesn't play all the time, he's in the game and he puts up a three and everyone's hustling and running up and down the court. Mm -hmm. And that's a different feeling when all of a sudden you're down, you know, you're definitely not going to win. You've only put up five or six points and a half or you know, even maybe longer. I've, I've definitely been to tournaments playing against <laughs> some AAU teams that are far better than us and it's probably older. And we scored like three points, right? <laughs> right. And it's one of those tournaments where, you know, it pays to run up the score because if you're, you know, if you're, if you're if you, if, depending how bad you beat everybody, you might get the buy at the beginning of the, the next day, right? Right. So no one's taking their foot off the gas pedal and, and you're just getting, you're getting beat down. It's, I, I believe me, I appreciate how hard it is to, to, to go, but I like to think that it's how you play in those moments that are more important than how excited you are when you're winning because that what's happened in that game is someone's just peeled back your psyche and mm -hmm. revealed the deepest, darkest pieces of, of who you are and that being able to sort of gather yourself and really still want to be fired up to play is important. There's a lot of lessons in games like that. There's a lot of value in those kinds of games. Um, and I was just I'm curious how you felt about, about that. Um, as I'm curious about how you feel about this phrase, trust the process. Trust the process. I, I love that phrase actually, because it really, it really is a process. Um, wherever you are, like wherever you are in the stage of your playing career, uh, middle school, high school, college pro, it is a process to get to the next level and you do have to trust it because like I said before, not everything will go as planned. Um, you're going to have your struggles, your obstacles, you're going to have your bad games, your good games. And um, it's a process to reach those, reach the next step. And so it's, it's staying committed to that process, staying dedicated, um, knowing that there's, there's a bigger plan ahead when you're in the gym at night shooting and you're tired or you're lifting weights, you're doing sprints and you're like, wow, my body is just hurting. I don't think I can do this anymore. But let's, you know, when, when you, when you make it to the next step, you get that championship ring or you're like, okay, this is what it was for. Um, so that sacrifice and just everything that goes into it, you know, there's a, there's a bigger picture. How did you adjust to that idea of adjust the process when you got to new teams? Like you left your high school and went to a college team and now there's a new system and a new, you know, new way of doing things. And you got to a pro team and there's a new way of doing things. How do you adjust to that? every every time because honestly I, I, there's been players that have come into i think my program and i'm this is not unique to me i'm sure it happens everywhere where someone comes in they're like well this is how we did it over here and oh i i'm this way but there's someone kind of tr trying to get you to you know to to just embrace the process that'll be you know it's gonna work just just embrace the process yeah <laughs> yeah, I mean, process. yeah and that that jump from high school to college that is a tough tough transition sure. um so it, it, and I would say trust the process is huge when it comes to that, because, you know, you're, you're getting into a D1 level where everything is run different. Defense is different. Offenses are different. Um, just the whole style of play is completely different. And it's being, being able to adapt and being open to playing a different role. If you have to doing what it takes in a new team, 
Um, let's say, yeah, my in, in uh, high school, I might may have been the leading scorer and been the one who touches the ball every single time, the, the main shooter. I mean, my freshman year, lucky enough, I was able to get playing time, but that's not always going to be the case. Sometimes you're going to have to to learn from your from your seniors and learn how they play, how how are they successful at the next level, and then going into professional. It was for me, it was a completely different change again. What I was used to all those four years at university changed as, as well as a language change. Um, luckily, I, I, I speak Spanish, but it's completely different playing in a whole other country. And so it's being being willing to to change and adapt to that team's to that team's process and their team's play style. I think that's huge because if you stick to what you're used to, you're never going to grow as a player. Um, yeah. And yeah. I love that. That's that's like the difference between this sort of rigid mindset versus this growth mindset where, you know, hey, I'm going to a new place. There's all these new experiences. Coaching styles are different. European style of basketball is different than American style. Of all these things are different. I'm just going to go there and be open to the process. I'm going to embrace the process. I'm going to trust the process. And and just you end up growing when you do that, right? You, you learn so many more things versus going in with this rigid mindset. Well, this is how – you know, if someone's going to press, we always break the press this way. This is, this is what works. This is the, if they're coming against man, we run this offense. This is what works instead of, I've learned a lot from watching European basketball. Cause yeah, and like they, you said, it's different. They think out of the box differently than traditional, you know, American style basketball is. And they have to, they have to operate with different kind of foundational skill sets, right? They don't have like, you know, there's not years and years and years of basketball acumen in those countries. And so they're, they're operating in a different, in a different vacuum and sometimes more effective in, in what they're certainly how they teach it, how they run it. Um, and it's not just isolate and then let, let that guy take right. the hole every time. Right. It's like, there is a plan. And I think that's really relevant to youth basketball because you don't necessarily have, it's not like you have like that, you know, 0.0% athlete that can just show up and, not have any fundamentals and still going to be effective because they're just, no one can stop them. Right. Right. That's such a rarity. Yeah. (laughs) Such a rarity. So there's a lot to learn from, for me, there's been a lot to learn from, from that style of basketball. I saw a video of you shooting. I think it was, must've been when you were in in Spain. Um, Like you were out by the three point line. People were feeding you the ball. Someone was rebounding, right? Feeding you the ball. You were on one leg. Oh yeah. Like a that one foot insane. shot mm-hmm. on, I think it was, you're on your left leg, which would been your dominant leg for right-hand shooter. What, talk to me about that drill and what you're doing, what the goals are behind that. Um, well, honestly, in that video that, so that was in Spain about a couple of months ago, um, that my ACL was torn in my right leg. So that is actually the reason why I was, I wondered sh- that. I was shooting on my left leg was, because but I saw you walking around on it fine. So that I thought, well, maybe, maybe it's, yeah. Not. So it was, it was probably like a couple weeks after I tore it and I wasn't actually completely sure if it was, what was the case with my knee at that point? I knew something was wrong, but then I got the results. It was torn, but I was, yeah. So I was, I felt fine, but when it was those movements of jumping that I could feel something was wrong. And so I was just shooting off the one leg, but I would do that at times too, because it really helps with your balance and your focus when you're shooting It's like, that is when you can really tell like a, a pure, pure shooter as well, because, um, it's difficult to do, but it, it's fun. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, I've never seen that. That's a, that's <laughs> yeah. well, it was impressive anyway, because you know, so much of, for me, a shot kind of starts in my toes. 
Yeah. Right. It starts at the foundation and then just like a wave, uh, everything comes up. And so, you know, when you're, you only have one, one <laughs> yeah. leg to do that. It was, it was rather impressive. How does a short shot start for you? For me, for me, it's in the legs, actually. It is. So like the legs are a crucial part of my shooting routine and my form. Um, Cause it's it, the strength isn't coming from my arms. It's coming from my legs and I, my arms are just doing the motion, the follow through. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd say it's, it's, it's a lot of just like the, the balance and the glutes working like that, that, that motion is you're using your legs to get that power up. And then just falling through and, and like with the one leg, my left, my left leg was just really balanced and, and, um, keeping, keeping my form straight as well. Cause that's hard to do off one leg and just keeping everything in line. That's, that's really how, how I shoot. Okay. Fair. Very fair. Uh, what, what drill, if you're talking about shooting drills, maybe one or two that you would recommend those, those kids that are hearing this and going like, all right, I'm getting the basketball. As soon as I get done with this, I'm going out to that. <laughs> Cause you've motivated them. What kind of things can they work on? Like, you know, we at practice, I, I give them like, Hey, to go home and work on from where game, like situations from where you're shooting, where, where the position you play, shoot from that shoot from those spots, spin the ball to yourself, step inside foot, outside foot, one, two, spin the ball to yourself, hop to that, whether you get your body already oriented, but you may have some other things that are helpful to them. So I'm curious about footwork and I'm curious about hand placement as you catch the ball. Yeah. So I'd say if I'm recommending any ideas or uh, shooting, shooting drills, um, like I mentioned a bit, a bit earlier is off, off the move shots. So um, when you're turning in your shot on the corner three, move your feet, you know, to face towards the basket with your shoulders. So as you're turning, everything is going together as one motion. Um, And then also challenge yourself, I'd say, because, you know, I did so many, so many times of just catch and shoot, catch and shoot repetitions whether it was, you know, 15 feet out or three point line, right on the three point line. And once I got really good at those spots, I pushed my range and um, did shots that were, you know, NBA range and that most girls in high school and college weren't shooting, but that made me, made me, um, you know, more deadly out there. So the girl, uh, they wouldn't expect me to shoot from that range. And so I think that's where I really took my game to the next level was taking shots that were more difficult. Um, I'd say like my college coaches would, would give me the green light to really shoot any type of through I wanted because I worked off the court taking, you know, I'm coming off a screen, step back three, or I'm moving with the ball off the dribble and I'm shooting, you know, fading away a little. I think <laughs> the fact that I practiced those over and over again, and I proved it to my coaching staff that, Hey, these are the shots I can take. I've proven to you guys that this is what I can do. Mm-hmm. And by practicing those hard shots, it made me feel comfortable and confident to take those in the real game situation. I got to tell you the highlight video. There's a couple of shots of you, like you're coming off a pass. You've already made three pointers. And so you have hard closeouts shot fake, and then you take it in, you take it to the, to the basket and it's a fade away. Right? Yeah. Fade away. I'm like, I can't show the kids this because everyone wants to fade away. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I'm, I, I'm like, just, please kids don't see this, this particular, the, this particular run. Cause it's a beautiful shot. It really is a beautiful shot, but to the point that you're making, it doesn't start there. It starts with right. the foundational, these foundational skills. The thing I want you to talk about is this idea of extending your range. How do you balance extending your range and still maintaining a shot that is pure in your hands, right? So that you're not flipping, I find as, as, 
kids start to go out. I do a lot of video analysis, slowing stuff down as I start to push out that guide hand starts to thumb starts to come into yeah. it in practice. So maybe talk us through your mindset of how you, how you go about pushing the range back further and still maintaining good form on your shot. Yeah, um, definitely. That's a process as well. You know, I wasn't able to do that at the high school level. I was not, you know, shooting half court shots or anything like that. It, it, so it is important that the deeper you take your range and the, and the more you try to elevate your game that you're not, you're not taking it to the point where, okay, my form is changing. I'm pushing the ball. I'm just kind of chucking it up there. Um, so just take it slowly, you know, whether it's maybe you're comfortable at that mid range shot and you're working your way to the three, Mm -hmm. keep working it back, keep running back until you're not even thinking about it. And it's just effortlessly that rhythm is just down. And then once you make, let's say a, a certain amount in a row, or you, you feel like, okay, I, I got this down, take it a step back, you know? And so keep, keep working at it, keep working at it. And you'll see the more that you increase that range, your shot will, will, will follow with you and, and you'll be able to take those deeper shots. Right. It's a, this gradual progression of stepping back a little further. Once you've made, you know, you're like, hey, I'm going to shoot this shot at 20 feet and 90% of the time I'm going to make it. Then I go back. Right, now, yeah. A little bit more, I'll make some more of it. And then you can, I think the challenge becomes when I grab the ball and I run out to like, you know, five feet beyond the three-point line. I'm like, all right, I'm going to shoot this shot right now. Warming right. up. I'm warming yeah. up, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, got, I got something I wanted to read to you. Um, and get, and get your response. Um, here it is. This is a quote from you. <laughs> I learned over the years that you can never take anything for granted and you have to treat every rep practice and game. Like it's your last always believe. Yeah. Um, and that, that hits hard, you know, because it, it's so true. Um, when you're just going through the motions out there and you're not taking it seriously, it, you realize it more when, once it's taken away from you, you know, like high school is four years, college is four years, pro is, you never know how long your pro career could be. And so I think it's really important that if you're, if you're committed to the end of basketball or whatever sport it is or whatever it is, it doesn't even have to be sports, anything in life, always, always give it your best because what's the point then, you know? Um, you just never know when it could be your last time and you want to, you want to enjoy it while you, while you have it, while you have it. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, man, this is so um, appropriate. I was just telling our, our team a couple of weeks ago that uh, when I walked off the field in high school in our last, we played in the state semifinal game and we lost when I walked off the field the last time and took the shoulder pads off, I had no, it wasn't until years later that I realized I'm never playing football again. I'm never putting on these pads again. Passball is a little different because I can go play and I can play with the kids and they can, they can run me down, but I'm never going to play organized football again. And you just never know. So you have to just, it's like living your life. You don't know tomorrow what tomorrow's going to bring, right? You just don't know. So you just have to live every moment, every day, take advantage of every sunrise, every sunset, every hour you have to practice. Because yeah, nothing is guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Nothing. Right. And I think one more thing too about that is that, like, like you said, I mean, I'd never expected to tear my ACL. Unfortunately, it happened, but it doesn't mean that it's over. And I, I think that's important to tell um, younger 
younger players too, is that if anything happens, if injuries occur, whatever it is that comes in the way an obstacle, you can overcome it. You know, everything can work out the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. There's going to be some things that come, that come and go, but um, just because I'm injured now too, doesn't mean it has to be over. And so always have that mentality that you can come up, you can overcome it all. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of in youth sports, a lot of injuries, right? I have a, right. I have a seventh grader on my team who had a serious ACL injury. First day of football practice, ACL, meniscus, a whole bunch of other things. And he's just he's just overcoming that now. But you can look across the landscape of professional sports and the, the amazing returns of people, right? With dedication, hard work, focus, all the things that got them there are all the things that get them to, to heal. And yeah. Recover, right. And I think those, yeah, like you said, looking at those people above you, looking at those role models, examples like Derek Rose or Clay Thompson currently, like those injuries happen and there's going to be things that come their way that you think are just going to mentally just destroy them and they won't be able to come back from it, but Mm -hmm. you can. And there's just, there's so much, uh, they're still playing at an extremely high level and it's incredible to see that, you know, they've gone through some of the hardest injuries and have been able to stay at their highest level playing. For sure. I have one last question for you, but before I get to that, um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to tell young players? Any words of encouragement, anything you want to say? And hey, listen, this isn't a one (laughs) one and done deal. We can always uh, have an epiphany in a couple of weeks. We can always come back and and do another one. I'd say say just always believe in yourself. Never let someone tell you that you're not good enough or you're not tall enough or strong enough or fast enough, because if you love this game, if you have serious passion for it, you can accomplish your dreams and always chase them. Always, always chase them. Never stop chasing them because you'll never know. Like you said, you can't make a shot you don't take. So never be afraid to take that shot. Mm -hmm. Excellent advice. All right. You ready for this very difficult question? I'm ready. <laughs> this is going to be a tough one. This is, okay. a, this is a stumper. What's the big deal with the mini M&Ms and why are they so much better oh. than the OGs? Uh, ask anyone. They know. Anyone who has had M&Ms knows that the mini M&Ms are just, they just taste different. They just, they really do. They're really just a great, great, <laughs> a great, great candy that I love. Um, yeah, so many M and M's greater than any other M and M's. That's, right, that's. I just want to make sure that it wasn't like some secret sauce to shoot better. No, or, uh, they're just good. They're just good. They just to me the mini M and M's taste better than any other type of M and M. Lauren, I can't thank you enough. Uh, once again, I think you know you being here and talking to youth and talking to even to veterans that are listening to this. It just um, all of these things fit perfectly into this this notion of, of of mental fortitude and wellness and living your life to the best that you can um, and just li- living with um, th- this this notion of curiosity having curiousness in your life and constantly wanting to push forward and be successful um, nothing nothing very few people ever make it anywhere by just standing at the three-point line right True. You have to be moving. A body in motion is really the thing that that helps you get where you're going. And when you fall down, get back up and just keep at it. That's exactly. And you're living proof of that. So thank you for uh, for being such an inspiration to everyone. And I can't wait to show your highlight video to everyone because it is in. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed enjoyed this. So thank you. Thank you very much. This is the Foxhole Podcast.